Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Hey, thanks a lot for tuning in. Hope you're having a great day. We took you through the Oilers game in Cologne, Germany this morning. Ryan Strom in OT. The Oilers get a 4 3 decision. Some guests on Oilers Now get gift certificates to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Follow the sizzle to a Alberta's own Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. Got a text here to 63630. Why won't the NHL just move one of the failing teams like Arizona, Carolina, or Florida to Seattle instead of expanding and adding 23 more AHL players to the league? Well, I'm going to tell you something here. The uh, expansion fee for Seattle likely going to be $650 million. That will be divided amongst the other 31 owners. So there you go. <laughs> Money talks. I, I hope that answers your question. Uh, anonymous texter to 630-630. My name is Reed Wilkins, sitting in for Bob Stoffer this week, and it is great to have Craig Simpson back on the airwaves. Hey, Craig, how you been, man? I've been great. Thanks. That pretty much answers that question pretty quickly, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I, I wasn't sure if it... I didn't feel like it needed any other analysis. That's... Uh, <laughs> Six, yeah. uh, it's a lot of money divided by a lot of money, so each owner still gets a lot of money. I don't question that it's, uh, it's not a question of moving another team. It's, uh, it's all the opportunity for adding on the heels of the, what was it, $550 million for, for Vegas. So uh, I, I think without question, there's your impetus for, for looking at Seattle. Yeah, and I mean, we, we always have said, well, how, how much can they grow? Do you go past 32? 32 is a good number, four divisions of eight. I mean, I don't know, Craig. I've been watching sports long enough that if some owner steps up with <laughs> enough money and it's an area, you know, more specifically of the United States that doesn't have a team, who knows? Maybe someday there will be a team in uh, Cologne if, you know, air travel gets. I mean, I don't know. This, I, I, I can't say that they would ever cap it at a certain number of teams. No, and I think 32 is really ideally where they want to get to. They don't like the fact that you have an odd number. And uh, you look at the, the NFL is sitting at 32. It's one that I think that they've had in their game plan anyways to, to get to. And hopefully, uh, you know, Seattle's an interesting uh, idea there. You know, you hope that they can have the kind of success. Uh, Vegas is clearly the... The perfect scenario because it is such a destination point and you even saw during the preseason this year you know they were a sold out building it, it's been a smashing success so I, I think they're definitely looking at that on the heels of what's gone on there and hope that Seattle can can fill the bill the Oilers are moving on to Sweden. They'll play the New Jersey Devils there 11 a.m. on Saturday in a regular season game. The Oilers win in overtime today, and uh, the Devils won in overtime on Monday against Bern with uh, Taylor Hall scoring the winner. You know, Rob and I were, were talking on overtime over uh, an overtime open line what the game means, what you can take out of it. I mean, the Oilers did control large sections of the game, specifically the first period. The shots were, were 13-3. Give Cologne credit for fighting back. Uh, I mean, in your mind, is this a tough one to play? Is it a more meaningful game for the Cologne Sharks than the Oilers? Uh, what, what, if anything, do you assess out of this one, Craig? 
Well, I don't think you can really assess from a play standpoint, you know, are you ready? Are you prepared? I think it's a good experience for all. Obviously a very uh, uh, positive one for Leon and and his family and getting back there and getting a chance to play and play against his dad. But, you know, I, I think the, the team has to take it exactly what it is. You, you look at it as a as a good experience uh, to, to be in Europe, to experience something completely different, a very different environment in the arena. And now your focus just has to be okay. You know, that one's passed. Now you're getting ready to, to play a real game. It, it'll be a different scenario again in Sweden to to be in a different environment and having it a true NHL game. But I think every player looks at the preseason happy to get it over with. Uh, I know here in Toronto, you know, both teams are looking at getting the real game started. So uh, I, I think you always have to look at those kind of adventures as a really positive, hopefully a good team-building exercise for the group to to come together and experience something unique. And, and now you just have to get focused to getting off to a good start. Make sure you get that first win and then get back home and get ready to play on the road to start your season. You know, Craig, uh, at the start of the exhibition schedule on uh, the show I do in the evening inside sports, I had Rob Brown on one night. You know, he was back from his his summer. And then I had Jamie Baker on, who uh, covers the Sharks. They had traded for Carlson that day. I had them on back-to-back nights. And I asked them both the same question. I said, guys, finish this sentence. The best start of the preseason, or the best thing about the preseason and training camp is blank. They both said when it's over. <laughs> yeah, I, I think every, you know, for different, differing reasons. Uh, the veterans understand what's expected of them to get off and get the rust out in the preseason to, you know, get your timing back up to make sure that you're focused and ready to start. And for the young guys, it's the nervousness of, you know what comes next uh, to if it's your first game coming up uh, you know you're anxious about that you're you're hoping that you're prepared to play a real game and i i think what you see you know the the difference in seasons you you go and you see opening night has a different intensity than any of the exhibition games just like opening night of the playoffs has a very different intensity than regular season games so uh, i think without question the preseason goes too long for the players you get that anxiousness of, you know, just get these over with. You don't want to get hurt. And I always felt, you know, having a great preseason offensively doesn't always translate into a great start to the regular season. So I don't think any of the veterans take too much stock in, you know, if you had, like, uh, the Oilers, you had 11 points in four or five games. Okay, that's great, but you still start on Saturday with zeros across the board. And I think that's what everybody gets focused on is getting the real games uh, that matter. I love this text I got to 63630. It says, do you understand the power play? Would you say it's much better than last year? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say too early to answer that question. Not that yeah. I, I'm avoiding it's it. But, but I will ask you this, Craig, for, for a bit of discussion. What do you think of those five left shots they're, they're trying on the top unit for now? You know, kind of mixed results through the preseason. They, they did pass it around a lot today. I know they were trying to get Leon a goal, but just, you know, the the concept of having those five left shots and having your three offensive brains all on the same unit. Yeah, I, I don't I don't mind the three offensive brains on the same unit. Uh, I think what you hope for, though, is a little chemistry so that you really start to click and start to make plays uh, organically where you're not overthinking it and you're not telegraphing your passes uh, you know, I, I look very similar to what Winnipeg was able to do with the right-handed shots that they had. And uh, for them, they had great success, you know, setting up on that right side, even though you got a right-handed shot 
um, the ability to maybe throw a few at the net and have a couple of rebound goals. Uh, uh, you know, I, I would expect if you're looking at a setup that's going to have some uh, possibility of success, you'd want to be on that left side and have, you know, even though the, the guy on the half wall is on his, you know, left strong side, he still has the options to attack the net, make shots, or look like he's going to shoot, which opens up the passing lane back for a quick little one-timer. So I, I think it will be a little bit of work in progress. If if I were showing some scenarios or some set plays that work well, I'd be looking at how Winnipeg did it on the other side with all those righties. And I, I think you, you hope that you get into that rhythm. Uh, again, I think it's very different once you start the regular season. And so that'll be the real test is, you know, where do they go for when it, when it starts for real? And can this group find some chemistry to, to be successful? Because you look at the minds that are on that power play and the skill level and offensive abilities, you should be able to have a power play that finds a way to work. Well, you know what, Craig? I, I wrote down the uh, percentages aside. I, I just put down how many power play goals they have scored in the past three seasons since McClellan became the head coach. And now I know there are different assistants. They went from 43 power play goals three years ago to 56 in the year they made the playoffs and 31 last year. Like that's yeah. minus 20, uh, minus 25 yeah. just on the power play from one year to the and, next. And that, that's so critical. You, you know, you can survive. If your penalty killing is good and keeps you in games and is in the top five or even, you know, you can get away with being a top 10 penalty kill. You can get away with having an average power play. But, you know, if you're, if you're struggling on both ends and, that was the, such a strange thing. A strange thing about last year was the the discrepancy of the penalty kill from home to on the road just didn't seem to really make sense at all. And they were so pitiful on home ice and uh, successful on the road. So I think you have to focus on being able to kill big penalties as the games go along. But you can't have that twenty twenty three uh, goal drop off. I mean, it's it's got to be a power play with the best player in the league and the Art Ross winner, you, you got to figure you should be able to put together a power play that at worst is in the top 10, and you would hope that you can scratch your way up to getting uh, to be a top five power play. Craig Simpson from Hockey Night in Canada joining us on Oilers Now. He's on every Wednesday. Reed Wilkins sitting in for Bob Stoffer today. Craig, my biggest question mark for the Oilers is how uh, who's going to fill those depth defense spots and uh, how will they hold up? Because obviously you have the potential of uh, youngsters, inexperienced players like Ethan Bear and Evan Bouchard playing, and you have the potential of, of Jason Garrison playing, who uh, certainly is experienced. I think the Oilers thought he played a pretty calm game in the preseason. But hey, we got to be honest here. He was in the AHL almost all of last season uh, yep. when he was in the Golden Knights organization. He just played eight games in the NHL. That's question mark number one uh, for me. I'll, I'll leave it to you if uh, you want to expand on that or maybe there's something else no I, I think that what they'll try to do and they, and i think the reasoning behind having at least uh, a veteran in garrison is you know you don't need your sixth defenseman to be necessarily you know a great offensive uh, player or a guy that can push the game offensively typically i think if you're looking from a coaching staff you know that it's going to be limited minutes it's probably going to be in that 12 minute range to maybe 14 15 minutes on some nights and if he can be a guy that you don't have to worry about with the big air or the bad read, uh, I think it allows you to 
maybe platoon some of those younger guys in and out of the lineup where maybe you'll see Bear one night, depending on the matchup uh, defensively, and see if he can get his legs and become an everyday NHLer. And uh, I, I just think that from, you know, one thing coaches love is, is the experience factor in that position because it is very difficult when you're not getting the ice time you've been accustomed to. Like Bouchard is a player in the OHL that's playing 25 to 27 minutes a night and playing in every key scenario. And it's one thing to, to get into the rhythm of the game when you're, you know you're going to be out there every second shift or every third shift for sure. Uh, it's a very different thing to, to becoming a, an NHLer and learning on the fly and only getting you know, three, four, five shifts a period. It becomes a much more challenging game when you're not into the rhythm of the game like that. And I think that's always the, the hardest part for young defensemen to learn is to have that confidence to make the plays you, you need to play uh, to be in the lineup when you're not getting that kind of ice time. So I think there'll be probably, if you look over the course of the first five to ten games in the in to start the season, you'll probably see a couple of different lineup looks depending on what your opponent looks like. Craig, you're in Toronto. Canadians and Maple Leafs get it going tonight. They often play uh, the first game of the regular season on a Wednesday. Uh, I, I had Joe Bowen on Inside Sports last night, longtime play-by-play voice of the Leafs. I said, has it ever... Has the expectation ever been like this for Toronto? And he said no. He said, you know, they had a couple of years when you know Sundin was there, where where people yeah. were hopeful. But but he said it's not this just this year. He he says there's the hope and and maybe even the expectation that the window is going to be open for a while. And maybe you're a, a Washington or a Pittsburgh where you know you're in that upper echelon every year, and you're always a team that has a chance for a cup. Yeah, and I think that's uh, you know the game plan there that they've they've built um, you know, off of Matthews as first overall a couple of years ago. They've got good young players that are really showing that they can dictate the pace of the game. The you know Mitch Marner to me is another guy that uh, fits in that bill that is going into his third season. So you've got a lot of guys in the cusp of being stars in the NHL and get can they get to that next level? So I, I think it's. You know, you always have to have some cautious optimism, but without question, they look like a team that should be competitive every single night. And they, they might even be a team that can score their way out of some tough nights when maybe they don't defend as well as they need to be. And so uh, I think that kind of expectation is a good thing. I, I'm not sure they're, you know, a Stanley Cup winning team at this point, but I, that is clearly the goal that they look and say with the players that they have, and hopefully the ability to sign guys and keep them in the in the mix for the next four or five years that they've got to be of the mindset that you know the tinkering you do as a general manager on the outside is to try to win now and so it'll be interesting to see if the season does go as planned and they get off to a great start you know what little additions will they be looking at that maybe add a player or two that solidifies the back end or or a key penalty killing role that'll allow them to be that competitive team that they hope they can get past you know the first round which they haven't been able to do and uh, I think their mindset is that you know going deep into the playoffs is has got to be something that's on the top of their mind tough division Tampa Bay and Boston are there I know a lot of people think Florida's gonna I mean Florida tied a record for most points without getting into the playoffs so we got to remember that too all I know Craig is uh, EA Sports simulated the NHL season and the Leafs won the Stanley Cup and the Vancouver Canucks apparently banned Fortnite and I'm not totally sure what that is other than it's a video game but 
Craig, thanks for coming on the show. I know you're getting ready for your broadcast tonight. Uh, it was great to, for me to be able to chat with you again. Haven't uh, talked to you in a while, so thanks for your time, man. All right. Take care and hopefully uh, get off to a good start on Saturday. Right on. That is Craig Simpson checking in uh, from Hockey Night in Canada. He'll have the Canadians and the Leafs tonight. Bruins and Capitals on the schedule. Later games, the Flames meet the Canucks and the Ducks will take on the Sharks. Our first regular season Oilers broadcast Saturday morning, 9.30 for the face-off show, 11 for the drop of the puck. All mountain time. The game is in Sweden. Oilers against the Devils. Reed Wilkins sitting in for Bob Stoffer today. Great to have you along for the ride. 780-496-0063. You can also text 63630. People commenting about Seattle on the uh, on the text line. Well, we're going to have uh, Andy Ide on the show after the 1 o'clock news. He works for ESPN Radio in Seattle. He's been covering the expansion story, so he'll give us uh, a little update on the scene there. Quick timeout. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, really appreciate you tuning in today. NHL season starting tonight. Oilers winning their final preseason tilt this morning, 4-3 in overtime over the Cologne Sharks. Uh, we got baseball tonight too, don't we, Brendan? Sure do, the American League wildcard game. Oakland Yankees. Last night, Colorado beating the Cubs 2-1 in 13 innings. Uh, I know because I, I was in early today because we had breakfast with the Oilers, so I didn't uh, I didn't really watch that game. I know I got up this morning to some texts from one of my friends who was watching the game, and I was like, oh, what? Okay, guess it lasted a long time. So the Cubs, what, tied for the best record in the National League with Milwaukee in their own division, lost the division tiebreaker, and then lose the one-game wild card. So they are done. Both at home, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's right. They were at Wrigley for both of those two. And uh, what, the Yankees, a 100-win team? They got to play in the wild card game? Because they're stuck in the oh, same behind Boston, yeah. What was it? Did, didn't, the, didn't Tampa Bay win 90 games? Was I it 90 yeah. or 92? And just totally out of their division yeah, race well, all season long because they're in the same division as the uh, the Yankees and the Red Sox. And that's the nature of the American that's, League East. Now, just quickly, Reader, I want to know what you think of uh, of Oakland going with the opener in Liam Hendricks rather than a starting pitcher. Honestly. Does it matter? <laughs> it's, 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 I, I haven't... I have put very little analytical thought into the Major League Baseball pitching rotations. All right. I apologize. We'll Brian. leave it there then. <laughs> I, I I will say this. Uh, now, look, we, we we work in sports, so you try to follow stuff as, as much as you can. But the, the, the two teams I follow the most, obviously, are the Edmonton Oilers and the Edmonton Eskimos, and then you try to know as much about the local teams as you can and, and local athletes. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say this, though. As a, as a kid from Evansburg, I would say... Over the last couple of years, my interest in the NBA has surpassed my interest in Major League Baseball. Probably simply because of the Cleveland-Golden State rivalry and Curry being an exciting player. Golden State had that incredible season. Now LeBron's joined the Lakers, so they're probably going to be revitalized. And, and, I, and I know, like, who's the NBA going to be this year? Golden State, the Lakers, the Celtics... And the Sixers is that like is that, that the final that's four pretty already? Much is it, it pretty yes. much set? Yeah, let's just fast forward to the end of June again for the fifth year in a row. I mean, I guess Toronto actually. I mean, they got the better player in that trade. They did. It's just he might leave after this year. Oh, I just I want him to give it a chance. I want him to actually play there with an open mind. And you know, he's that's he's telling the media he will, but we'll see. 
This texture says, uh, hi, Reed. I wasn't concerned going into the season thinking that Yerbeck and Gravel, or sorry, Gravel would be okay 6-7 D-man, but they are both gone, and now Garrison, Baron, Bouchard have to play. Uh, I didn't think they were so good that you had to play them. The others were just that bad. It's a major concern now. Well, you know, and I guess we should have Gravel kind of in the mix, right, as a guy who could be called up or, or, or going up and down. I, for me, it's a it's a little bit of a, a mix that, you know, I think Bear did some good things. Garrison was at least steady. But, yeah, Yerbeck didn't grab the job. I mean, he was supposed to have the job. He got the contract. They thought he would be good enough, and he wasn't, and he got traded. Richard says, I think the baseball wildcard playoff should be a three-game series. Honestly, tied for the best record in the whole National League, and you're out just like that. Doesn't seem fair. Uh, yeah, fair comment. I just don't. Well, you know what? They're not starting the other series until Thursday, Friday anyway. So you almost could argue they have time for a three-game wildcard series. Correct, but isn't that one game that they play like the most exciting of the year? That's the other argument, right? And you know what? That's a great point by Richard. But Mm. also, Richard, you know, is is the NCAA tournament fair? And that's one of the (laughs) most watched events because every game is game seven. And finally, this past year, a number 16 seed beat a number one, right? So, well, but that's a fair comment. You got this long, long baseball season where you prove over months and months, day after day, you're a better team, a deeper team, and then one uh, one day you're out. We will go to Seattle. They got a baseball team. They got a football team. They used to have an NBA team. They're probably getting an NHL team. We'll have that story. Oilers now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, six thirty, Chad.